Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So today we're going to be talking about dealing with regret. And as we continue our converted series, and just as a refresher, when we say the word converted, what we're saying is we're basically talking about the process of sanctification, which means coming into a more usefulness for God. So coming into a lifestyle, coming into a mindset that prepares you and makes you more suitable for God's use. All right. The idea of it is when you come into relationship with God, there's still a lot of stuff that we bring. We bring our humanity, you know, in our relationship with God. God is not expecting us to all of a sudden become inhuman. Right. We're still going to be making mistakes. We still have weaknesses. We're still going to have to trust God because there's no righteousness of our own. You know, our goodness, the Bible says very clearly, are filthy rags. That means you on your best day. You said you you were nice to everybody. You did good deeds or whatever those things that list (laughs) is that you say, oh, I had a great day. Your heart is still deceitful. We even talked about, you know, times where we do good things, but in our hearts, you know, the motive is prideful. Only God can see that area. So when you think about how um, how human and how frail we really are, it really should draw us closer to God. And that, "Mm, listen, God, you know, my motives. And and, and we also talked about the Romans and Paul talked about, you know, when I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Evil is right there. You know, so, you know, who can free me from this body of death? Like I, I, every time I try to do right, the temptation to do wrong is right there. So there's an aspect of that that God completely understands. Right. And what we have done in our relationship with God a lot of times is try to be more holy than God is. So we try to out perfect God and out holy God, like I usually say, when in essence, we miss out on the freedom that comes in our relationship with Christ and the power of the gospel and that no man comes to the father except through the son. And the only reason we have a relationship with God is because of the grace and mercy that we obtain through the sacrifice of Christ. So it's very important for us to to let that be the foundation of our relationship with God, that God knows our weaknesses. God knows our propensities. But then at the same time, God knowing it is not a license for us to just do whatever we want. Because at the end of the day, if we say we love God, then we keep his commandments, right? But then on the other hand, you cannot live this Christian life without God. God has to empower you to live this way. Right. He gives you the power to live this way. So he does the work in us. Our job is to surrender. Our job is to yield to him. So dealing with this kind of stuff, that is a reality that we're always going to have to face in our humanity. The question really is, how do we live in a relationship with God and freedom while we're still in our humanity, right? Like there's no, there's nobody's perfect, right? But then God expects us to strive for that standard, but we fall, we mess up, you know, intentionally sometimes, unintentionally sometimes. But what does that do with our relationship with God? Like is God changing how he sees us because we're, and that's kind of the area that we're in. So this converted um, aspect is moving us towards God's purpose for our life. Like, what are you here for? Why are you still breathing? Like, why did God wake you up today? 
Like, what is the ultimate purpose that God has you here for, for this world, to make this world better for him? There's something there. And the reason why we're living, that's the reason. So get moving us from, okay, God, I acknowledge you to this is what I'm here for. We're dealing with the in-between right now. Okay. So today we're going to talk about regret. And the scripture that we're going to kind of focus on today is going to come from Philippians chapter three, verses 13 through 15. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Amen. Amen. So this this is uh, this is actually Paul again, and he is uh, writing to the church in Philippi. For those of us who don't know the story of Paul, Paul has a very, very intriguing story. Okay, Paul is a Jew and he's a Pharisee and the Pharisees were like the high ranking, high thought Jews, like the pure blood. Yeah, like like these are the this is the. Church folks that was born, raised in church today that know all the rules, know the Bible from cover to cover, walking around like they haven't done anything wrong. And they basically make the rules and set the standard. This is what Paul comes from. Right. But Paul has an experience where his concept of how things should be conflicts with what God is really saying. Right. Which causes him to um, threaten the future of what God is doing. So Paul on the road to Damascus, he was getting ready to, it turns out that he he was persecuting the Christians. Believers. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's a Jew persecuting the Christians. So on his way to go and persecute some more, he has an experience with the Lord himself. He has experience with Jesus and he gets knocked off of his high horse and blinded for a few days and his whole life is changed. He has to make a decision to move forward with this brand new life With the understanding of the reality of the fact that he made a lot of mistakes in the past. And now God is sending him as uh, a messenger to uh, speak to what he was once persecuting. Right. So, you know, let's think about like that dynamic, like, okay, all of a sudden now everything's supposed to be okay, but you were sanctioning people's death and you were, you know, how am I supposed to accept you? So think about the internal struggle that Paul is going through throughout his whole ministry, like his whole life. He had to, in order for him to keep going, he had to constantly um, remind himself of who Christ is, who God is, and that his life has changed. Many of us in our past, we have done, it ain't perfect. All of us. We got some stuff that we have done. We have some stuff that we wish we could change. We stuff that we wish we could um, uh, undo in the past. And if we're not careful, the past will become an idol, And we will begin to live our lives according to correcting the past rather than looking into the future at what God is calling us to. This is the premise of regret. This is the premise of, yes, I have done some things that I cannot now change, but I'm still haunted. I'm still being tormented by the consequences of the unfavorable things that I have done and living there. Is living 
and regret. We were looking at some definitions and uh, one definition that I thought was best. I mean, you know, there was there was a, a lot of them, but one of them, this is the Wikipedia uh a definition which I thought was good. And we know, yeah, Wikipedia, but I like the way they <laughs> worded it. I like the way they worded it here. And basically it's saying regret is the emotion of wishing one had made a different decision in the past because the consequences of that decision were unfavorable. Okay. So wishing that things had gone differently and perseverating over that over and over again, as if you are going to be able to change it with your present thoughts. So when you are living in the past and thinking more past minded than future minded, that is a very destructive way to live. Okay. It's inhibiting. It is oppressive. It is frustrating. It steals your hope. It steals your expectation of good things. And it really closes the door on the possibilities that God has available to us just because we're in Christ. So the reason why this text is so powerful in that Paul is now reminding these Christians and basically talking from his own experience, right? He's basically saying, forgetting, I, first of all, I have not attained, right? So what he's basically mean by that is he's saying, I have made some progress in my life, in my relationship with the Lord. I have, I have made some changes, but even in my attempts to do good and to be good and to um, to even live this life that God has called me to live, I have not made it yet. Now, remember, we said Paul was a Pharisee before. So the mindset of pharisaical thinking is I have already made it. Yes. Is that of a rival? Yes. Because you have reached the pinnacle yes. of education. Yes. Like, yeah, you're, you're good to go. I made right. it. Right. I made it. I'm successful. This is what God wants. This is the life that God wants us all to live because we know the scriptures from back to back. We know all the languages the scriptures were written in. So we know. And now it's a different uh, mindset. I know a lot, but I still have not attained. Right. Because there is a process that I realize is happening inside of me. And this is what all of us can relate to. That there is a process that's going on inside of us. And when you come into relationship with the Lord, you begin to see your own self the way God sees you. And a lot of times what we do in our humanity is we see the part that's not pleasing to God first and foremost. And then in our own strength, seek to try to change that. Right. And this is when you get into, you know, God wants me to live this way, but I keep living this way. Or um, I can't come to church because um, I'm still struggling with this. Right. Or I just messed up last night, so I'm not going to come to God. I'm not going to open up to God because he's not going to want to deal with me. So that's you taking the seat of judgment on yourself. Rather, when God says, no, when you sin, you have an advocate. So that means you can come to me because I'm the one that washes you. I'm the one that cleans you. I'm the one that changes you. You cannot change yourself. So there's that dynamic that we're all constantly dealing with. So Paul here, he's saying, I have not attained. I have not made it yet. But this one thing I do know. Right. Forgetting the things that are behind me, I strain forward. That right there, forgetting what's behind and straining and reaching for what's ahead of me is right where this whole concept of regret is. 
And I think people who have a more checkered past than others and people who have um, had more difficulty in their lives can attest to the magnitude of the struggle and letting go of the past. Right. The more pain that has been caused, the more pain that has been experienced in our lives, the harder it is for us to get the energy and the ability to reach forward. Right. And this is in the Bible. It's very clear. Paul is saying the same thing. Like I have not attained. But the one thing I do know is forgetting. So that means it's a process of forgetting. Now, in the Bible, it's very important, and we say this all the time, it's very important when you see certain words, in order for us to understand the context of what that word means in the scripture, we must do a little research, okay? So in that particular test, that word forgetting actually speaks to um, a neglecting. It's an intentional disregarding of, right? Which means that what you have done in the past and those images are always going to be with you. Mm-hmm. We have to just tell the truth, right? Some things that happened to us, some things that we did are always going to come back in our minds. They're seared in our memories, right? So you cannot just take an eraser and erase the memory from your, you can't do the men in black pen and say, boom, this never happened before because you're still living it. You're still seeing it in your mind. But what the Bible is telling us to do here is there's a process of forgetting that God wants us to be able to learn to do. And that is neglecting it. That is, it's there, but it's not there. And I was trying to think of, I mean, you didn't now. Disregarding. Well, I I wasn't, I was, I mean, this example may not be the best example, but you know, we're, we're getting converted, right? This is a process. We're moving towards conversion. All of us. At points, one or most of us have had shady moments, right? Yeah. Where you may disregard or ignore a person, right? Yeah. Somebody may be in the room that you just do not want to deal with. So you choose to look the other way or look past them. <laughs> now, you cannot ignore an actual human being, but you, in your, in your whatever is fueling it, right. decide that you're going to look past what you know you're seeing because you don't want to see what's readily right in front of you. Right? right. Right. So looking past that big elephant in the room or that big statue or monument to your past is basically looking past that person that you don't want to acknowledge and looking to the focal point. I mean, you know, we, of course, you know, we are not encouraging <laughs> right, you to be right, shady. But we're all a work in progress. <laughs> but the, the point progress. is, you know, just understanding that, you know, we're looking past what may be there that we don't just want, we're choosing not to acknowledge. And and in this case, we're choosing not to acknowledge it because it's, it would be obstructing Mm -hmm. our view from what we're should be focusing or what we should be um, headed towards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I thought of the, the example similarly, not exactly the same, but I thought of the example and looking forward when you walk, if you're not looking where you're walking, which is forward, mm-hmm. and you're looking behind while walking forward, you become a hazard to yourself and the, the, the people around you because you're walking one way, but your focus and, and your, good, yeah. your, your sight is the opposite. You're mm-hmm. looking back while walking forward, which means you're not 
engaged in, in, in dangers and, and things that are right in front of you mm-hmm. and or the people that are around you. So you become a hazard. So, you know, that that was the, oh, yeah. the thought, the importance of looking forward rather than looking back while you're walking yeah. forward. Yeah. And just piggybacking on that analogy, when you think about it, right, the reason why you're looking back while moving forward is because moving forward is, is where you feel like you should be going. Mm-hmm. But looking back, what you see behind you is more important. Mm hmm. Like what you see behind you is more you, in your own mind is more important than where you're going. But you still feel like you need to go forward. So there's that conflict that we're dealing with. And what Paul is saying here is in order for you to move forward in the fullness and in the freedom that all of us are called to see, no matter what you did in the past, you are still called to freedom. No matter what you've done and what you're doing, you're still called to better you're still being drawn to a prize that God has had for you. Because at the end of the day, let's just be real, right? All of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. Absolutely. And God is the judge of the degrees of the mistakes that we're judged by. And if you look at the Bible and you see all the characters on all the stuff that they were doing and the stuff that we kind of don't read about because it's like, oh, well, no, let's just forget about that. You don't want to see. And I think about this all the time. Like, like think about David, King David in the Bible and Moses killed somebody. I mean, they see that there's a whole bunch of stuff in the Bible that's real, that is human, that, you know, unchecked anger. All these kinds of things draw us and speak to our human frailty. Mm-hmm. And God allows it to be written and addresses it all the same way. We're the ones that create different rules for this punishment and that and this and this and this and that. But God has fixed the sin problem with the same solution. Absolutely. It's the same solution. And that solution is Jesus Christ. And Christ's finished work on the cross is potent enough on its own to address everything that we could ever think about doing. Yes. In the realm of sin. All at the same time. All <laughs> at once. That's the power of the gospel. And that's why it's called good news, because good news for you. Guess what? Doesn't matter what you did. Right. Doesn't matter what you did. Christ died. That's it. And you putting your trust and faith in him will cause your life to evolve into what God has always purposed it to be. But the work that we have to do is an inner work of constantly letting go of those mindsets and things that would keep us from not seeing the gospel for what it is. Right. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Very clear. So it's the work of believing that we have to do. Right. It's the work of checking yourself and making sure that you're not making yourself your own God. And, and just awareness, self-awareness mm-hmm. to, to be able to step back, evaluate what am I uh, and asking yourself those questions. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And what what outcome am I looking for? And, mm-hmm. and you know, evaluating those things and being aware of yourself will allow the, the spirit to reveal to you. Right. Because if you're not asking questions to him or yourself, yeah. then what is he revealing? What is he answering? So, yeah. you know, being open enough, not to everything, just open enough to God <laughs> to, right. to ask those questions and to, to ask yourself, look in the mirror and evaluate yourself yeah and just being aware yeah so there's that there's that dichotomy of forgetting what's behind and straining for what's ahead and it's interesting that the the terminology that paul uses in this text is 
is a it's like a it's a progressive future thing. He doesn't say forget what's behind you. He said forgetting. Or I have forgotten right. what's behind me. Right. Right. It, it, this is oh man, I I have to, it's a process of me neglecting intentionally. Like when it comes up and when what I did comes up, I neglect it. Because it's it's not going to help me. I've already I've already repented in my heart towards God. I've already I've already tried to make amends. And then sometimes God hasn't given you the opportunity to make amends with the with the people that you've offended. Sometimes you have to just trust God. Lord, I'm sorry about this. There's nothing that I can do about this. What I've done, but I've given it to you. I'm a wretch undone. Help me. And that's it. You then throw your faith on Christ and your trust on Christ and old things have passed away. I am not who I was. And so for some of us, we have to keep saying that to ourselves. It's just it's just got to be your moment to moment breath prayer. I'm not who I was. Right. I am not who I was. I am not. And you say that enough. God will empower those words and make them a reality so that people will start to see. Wow. They're not. Something's different about mm-hmm. them. You had an awesome visual. About this is like a chain, like a ball and chain kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? So, like all these things we've been talking about are like links in the same chain, right? So, condemnation is a link, and then shame is a link, and then unforgiveness of yourself is a link, and then now we're talking about regret, that's a link, and it's all connected to this heavy ball that is dragging behind us, keeping us from running towards Christ, right? From reaching and freedom or and reaching, right? See, all of these things are keeping us from a full, genuine relationship with the Lord that we're talking about. So is that dynamic of forgetting what is behind and straining for what's ahead and what's ahead of us? A prize. Hmm. Like you're not reaching for God for nothing. Like this is not like an invisible thing that you're reaching for. You're reaching for something legit. Some of us are reaching for peace once and for all. Some of us are reaching for, um, and, and the ultimate prize is heaven. The ultimate prize is eternity. It's, yes. it's, it's right relationship with God. It's the realization that everything that I've been through in my life, all the pain, all the hurt, all the loss, all the stuff that I dealt with has an end goal. And it's going to reward me better than any other thing that I could ever get in my life. If we're living more heavenly minded and we're living like our goal is not the next dollar and our goal is not the next gig or the next relationship or whatever it is that we're street reaching for. But the goal is heaven. The goal is pleasing God. The goal is blessing somebody else's life. The goal is helping somebody else get free from something that you've been struggling with. Like if the goal is outside of us, that is us surrendering to God is going to give us the momentum without the burdens and weights of all this other stuff. So regret itself, and we said this before, is basically you can look at it as uh, a form of worshiping the past. So it's a form of worshiping what you can't change. Right. Anything that we continuously give ourselves attention to is competing with God's attention. Anything that we're constantly persevering over, even if it's pains, things that we've done that we can't change. Regret falls into that realm of us not um, being able to release those things to the fact that it's broken. And there's nothing that I can do about it. There is a Bible character who we mentioned last week, very famous for a not so good reason. And his name is Judas Iscariot. We know who Judas is. Judas was the disciple and one of the disciples that Jesus had that Jesus picked. Mm-hmm. I, I got to pause there. Right. Jesus picked Judas. 
And Judas was seen in the same way that all the other disciples were. He was one of the 12, just like them. Jesus picked him. And he, Judas was the money man. Judas was carrying the money bag. So whenever they went out to eat, guess what? Judas, you know, you got the money. People come and bless you. Imagine how much, imagine, people want to people uh, talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, Jesus was poor and didn't have no money and all sorts of stuff. Just imagine, right? If you see this man, God in the flesh, coming around healing people, delivering people, like they're paying doctors all these bills and stuff. And Think about the generosity that people have when they feel like they're being blessed. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Judas's money bag was empty at all. Right. Jesus picked Judas and I gave him the position of being able to hold all this money. Judas, at the end of the day, uses some of this money to betray the Lord. Basically betrays him and says, you know what? Here he is. And the Bible talks about this in Matthew chapter 27 and verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, Jesus' betrayer, saw that Jesus was being condemned. He changed his mind and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in a temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. I want us to think, right? First of all, Judas had a relationship with the Lord and that he knew enough that Jesus was innocent blood. Right. So it makes you think about, well, well, Judas, why would you do this? Well, maybe Judas didn't think that the consequences would have been as grave. Like, I didn't think maybe they would have locked him up. Maybe they would I don't know. I didn't know they was going to go through all this and try to. I, I didn't see the whole picture. Why did I see the whole picture? Because I was thinking about me. I was thinking about what I wanted Jesus to be for me. Mm. I was thinking about what I wanted out of life. And a lot of times when we do things that lead to regret, a lot of times, the reason why we did it was selfish reasons. Like the reason why we did it was because we have moments where we thought of ourselves more importantly than somebody else. And until the revelation of, oh man, that was pretty selfish. Look at the damage that was caused. In a sense, you betrayed innocent blood because you made yourself more important than the other person. And now the condemnation comes and what you do with that condemnation and what you do with all of that that pain that you're feeling is right where the mercy of God creates an opportunity for you. Right. Judas represents unchecked regret. Judas, his life, Judas's decision at this point represents unchecked regret and unchecked regret leads to self-destruction. If we allow what we've done in the past to dominate our thinking, to dominate our mindset, to dominate how we see people, to dominate how we see our future, to dominate how we see God, we will end up dealing with things that will cause us to destroy our own selves. And if you look at this verse, it's really crazy because he first, he gets that feeling like, man, I messed up. But within that feeling, there's a hopelessness that latches on to him that causes him to judge the situation as unfixable. Right. Look at this verse here. It says he goes back and tries to fix it. So he goes back to the chief priest and say, hey, listen, you know what? I, I made a mistake. Right. He's innocent. He's not. He, he's not. What y'all getting ready to do is not right. He doesn't deserve that. I mean, I, I, I wanted to make a point, but this is not what I planned. This is not this wasn't it. And many of us can realize, like, hold on, man, I, I made this decision, but. And that's where you feel like, man, I wish I could just go back. Oh, do it again. I wish I could just fix it. I wish I could just change it. We know what that feels like. Yes. 
all of our perfectionists and and, 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 and all of us, it's, it's, it's like cringy, like, Oh my God, if if I, if I, and this is what Judas is feeling. And it's consuming. You can't, you can't. It consumes you. Yeah. Like it starts as as a thought and it, it, Mm -hmm. like you said, you keep perseverating over it and mulling over it. And before you know it, what started as a flame becomes a raging fire that consumes you. Yeah. And it causes you to act recklessly. Yes. Like yes. Judas. Yes. You're so reckless in your decisions after because you keep trying to, you're consumed with the thought of trying to correct mm-hmm. what the mess that you made mm-hmm. and you end up making an even bigger mess. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, this is what happens to this man. This is what happens to this man who has seen the mercy of the Lord just as much as the other disciples. Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? Because none of the other ones was perfect. When Jesus gets condemned, they all run away. Peter, we, we, we talked about Peter before. Peter tries to linger behind, but he ran. He ends up denying the Lord and he ran. But there, there's always an opportunity that God gives us, no matter what you've done, to be able to come to him and say, Lord, what should I do? And to slam the door in regret's face. But that comes with us understanding, you know, the magnitude of God's love for us and his character and the lengths that he's gone to for us to be free in him. In our humanity. That when I'm weak, he is strong. Mm -hmm. Like that's the dichotomy, right? You understand your weakness. You understand your frailty. And then God reveals his strength in that weakness. That's the relationship. And this is what the enemy does to us all the time. You try to fix it. And the response that we get is, what has that got to do with me? Fix it yourself. (laughs) So we tell ourselves, I got to fix this myself because I messed it up. Here we go making ourselves bigger. I fix, I messed up. I wronged that person. I did this, so I got to fix it. Now, there is a line where there is responsibility on our part. But there comes a point where you have to understand a lot of the damage that I've done, a lot of stuff that may be going on, uh, I haven't seen the full extent of the damage that I, that's been caused. You know, it, it's, it's funny that there's there been time when, um, when maybe we've um, had conversations with people or, um, and it, it, let's think about it on a positive, right? You meet somebody who's known you from, for years or they see uh, a part of you um, for years and you don't know the impact that you made on their life. Mm. Right. So it's like, nah, I just we, we have maybe had five or six conversations, if that. And then when the moment presents itself, that person comes up to you and says, yo, man, you made this crazy impact on my life. I can't believe it. And to you, you're like, really? <laughs> right. I did. <laughs> what? What? I just said hi. Nah, but it was how you said hi. And it was the times that I saw you <laughs> with your kids. And it was the times that it goes both ways. In the same way, you might have walked past somebody who was having the worst day of their life. And that's the day you was in yourself and you didn't speak. And all they needed was somebody to just acknowledge them and see them as a person. And from that day forward, you caused more damage to that person. We don't know. Right. And the point I'm trying to say is there's a realm of not knowing our impact on people that God knows then there's also a realm of how much we are able to fix things in our own energy without God's help. Mm-hmm. There's a responsibility that God wants us to give to him as sovereign and trying to fix everything on our own, our own strength 
is actually insulting God's sovereignty over our lives. So this was obviously too big for Judas to fix on his own. So guess what he does? He fixes it himself and he kills himself because it's too much to bear. A lot of the burdens that we are carrying in the realm of regret, they are too much for us to bear. And we are living beneath our privilege and we are living beneath our relationship with God when we don't truly learn how to surrender everything to the Lord. Not just the stuff that you think you need help with. You surrender your whole self to God. And that's when you're allowing God to work on you as he wills. Right. I think Judas is a beautiful character um, that, that really helps us to see that it's possible to have a relationship with the Lord. It's possible to walk with God. It's possible to have seen God do certain things, see the miracle, see all this other stuff, be in church, do the church thing, do the religious thing, and still have unchecked regret. It's possible to see the mercy of God, to see God forgive the woman that was caught in adultery, and to be standing there as an onlooker, and to see the Lord's posture towards those kinds of things. And then you, in turn, are dealing with the same stuff, and you don't take advantage of the grace that you've seen the Lord give other people. Right. You don't take advantage of the mercy and, and all, all the, the goodness of God that you're seeing him do to other people because you're lifted up in your own pride because you're in the group. Right. Like you, like, and, and that's why Paul says, I don't count myself as having attained. Yes, I got a relationship with the Lord, but I still am a work in progress. And there's still some parts of me that need to be checked by God and that I need to surrender to him because the truth is I'm a hot mess. Now you see me up here talking about the Bible and people are getting healed and doing all this stuff. But guess what? I have a past. It's shady. I'm a hot mess. And I still need the Lord. And I struggle with my past. And I struggle with things that happen to me or things that I have done to other people that there's no way I can expect them to forgive me. Because it was so horrible. Mm-hmm. Now how do I move forward then? Because God is still calling me forward. I'm forgetting. I'm neglecting. Oh, this is what you used to do. See, mm-hmm. they go the old person again. There, there it goes. Don't you remember when you did this? Neglect it. Don't you remember when you used to do that? Neglect it and reach for the ultimate goal of the better one, the better person that God has for you in Christ. The better you in Christ. And I was just going to say the the fact that you, there, there has to be a releasing in order yeah. for you to obtain so mm-hmm. you can't reach for something with your hands closed. And if you're holding on to the regret that you have over the things from your past, then there's no way you can adequately reach for something else mm-hmm. because your hands are occupied by what you're holding on to. So true. So there's a releasing that has to take place, the disregarding. And mm-hmm. in releasing that, your, your hands are now open to obtain the prize that God has for you. Right. So. You know, I, I, it just came to me That's when right. you, you know, said... That's right. You're reaching, straining. That's right. You, know, you have to let go of so that you can grab a hold to. And that, and, and, and when you said that, because I keep thinking about, you know, exercise, like, like that's work. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, no, that, that, that's, like, that's not, like, easy to do. And, and, the, and the Bible is acknowledging the fact that it's going to take intentionality. Yes. You're going to have to exert energy. And, you know, often I think there's this perception that's presented to people when you present Christ and Christianity and living for God, that it's 
smooth and easy and and that's yes his burdens are light like and that's very true right but that's, but that's at, not that at the same yeah, time yeah. you are you are exerting energy because yes. you're, what you're doing is similarly to losing weight right when you lose weight and and you're you're trying to shed the the pounds or the fat that that's on your body you have to exert the energy to burn off that part of you so that all that's left is muscle right, right. so similarly we when we are in our flesh and we're both spiritual and fleshly right we're fleshly beings mm-hmm. but also spiritual we now have to exert the energy to shed off the natural flesh or fat that we have right and we have to build the muscle or the spirit man that is inside. So there is an exerting of energy and work that you have to do Mm -hmm. in order to get to where you need to be. So it's not going to be, you're going to be working. And then then how how are we working? Right. You're, 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 you're participating in communities that will keep you accountable. Right. You're reading the word. You are praying. Mm -hmm. You are you are staying in environments that are going to be conducive to change. Right. You're, you're, that's work, right? You're saying, no, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do this because it's not healthy. I'm not ready to go back to the scene yet. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to watch that movie. I'm not ready to go into and that environment. And just the internal dialogue. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. taking, you're telling that's right. yourself. That's like, right. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to say that. Right. That was not right. Should you have done that that way? Should you have talked to that person that way? Shouldn't you have maybe reached out and helped somebody? Like, you know, it's that internal mm-hmm. the checking yeah. mm-hmm. that is constantly taking place. Yeah. But then filtering that dialogue mm-hmm. through God's character right. and through the word of God and not like Judas having that conversation with yourself right. and then handling it yourself. Right. Because then that leads to self-destruction. <laughs> Like we got to admit once and for all that we're human beings because God knows that he, right. he, he, he said in the beginning, he created us and out of the dust of the ground. I mean, it's, 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 he, he's made us out of dirt, but he, he, we are we are frail human beings and God knows that very well. We just forget. We forget that. Absolutely. So then what's the solution here? This is the solution. Hebrews 10, chapter eight through 14. And this is the solution to every single issue, every single link to this ball and chain that we've been talking about. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 14. You got it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. NIV? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Okay, 
So now, like this, this right here is, is probably one of the most powerful scriptures. I'm going to try to break it down to you in the last four minutes that we have together. This is a conversation between God, the father and Jesus. Okay. This, this, this narrative here is a heavenly conversation. And basically what it is, is in the beginning, when, when, when man was created, there was an acknowledgement of sin through the law. The Ten Commandments were written to show us mm -hmm. what sin was. And it proved that we were all sinful because none of us can keep it to this day. <laughs> and if you mess up in one, you mess up in all of them. That's how the criteria worked. And the Ten Commandments are just ten of hundreds of other commandments that, you know, God's people were supposed to keep. Okay. So in realizing that sin was something that was perpetual, that sin, which leads to regret, leads to condemnation, leads to all these things, it, the root of it is sin and its effect on us, right? So sin's effect on us, the power of sin that separates us from God, what needed to happen was a sacrifice needed to be made in order to, somebody had to pay basically for somebody else's sins, right? The poor animals had to pay for the sacrifices of sinful men, right? So the Bible says back in, back in the day, Day after day after day after day, animals being killed, right? But this is a conversation between Christ and God, Jesus and God saying, you got, Jesus says to God, you know what? You never wanted animals to be killed for the sacrifices of sins. And you never want birth, birth offerings. You didn't want this. This was offered in accordance to the law because there had to be some kind of appeasement for mankind's propensity to keep going against your will. So then he says, Jesus says, you know what? Send me. I'll go. I'll be the lamb once and for all so that you can come so that humanity can come into right relationship with God. So the Bible is telling us that our faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross gives us the ability to let go of all of the things that attach itself to us because of sin. One sacrifice once for all. Your faith in Christ deals with the regret deals with the condemnation, deals with the shame, deals with the vices. There was all this stuff that we deal with. Christ's sacrifice is the solution to all of that. And the difference between us who walk in freedom and us who live in bondage are those who embrace that and those who don't. And that's the heart of the work of believing, constantly reaching towards Christ, reaching towards the gospel and forgetting about the old things that you've done, forgetting about the stuff that you cannot change and th thereby walking in the freedom that Christ has called us to. Amen. So for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being perfected. So we're all being perfected. And that's the goal that we acknowledge that I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected because I'm already perfected in Christ. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you thank for you, this time yet again that has been set aside, that you have spoken to us. You've come down and, and conversed with us. You have you, uh, whispered in our ears and you've given us nuggets to live by and to, and to grow by. Lord, we thank you and we appreciate you, God. We thank you for the people that are part of this community, Thank you, for Lord. blessing them individually and for showing your favor and your kindness to them, Lord. We thank you for the, the victories that we have won already, God. Lord, I pray, God, that as we continue to uh, live out this walk with you and we continue to grow, that you would continue to be with us and perfect yes, us, God. Yes, we realize that you are perfect, but we are being perfected. Mm. So in this time of living and being perfected, I pray God for your grace 
to endure the things that we meet that cannot and will not change God. Mm. Lord, I pray God that you would meet every need meet uh, financial needs. I pray, God, that you would meet emotional needs, that you would speak to our deficiencies, our insecurities, that you would speak to anxiety and depression and the worry that may creep on us, God, that you would give us the peace that comes from you, that pass all understanding, that will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Lord. I pray, God, that you would touch our bodies. realize and understand that healing is the children's bread, God, Mm. physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. I pray, God, that you would just meet us where we are, God, as you always have, God. I pray, God, that you would continue to use us, continue to guide us and lead us and order our steps, God, according to your word. We thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love. We pray, God, that you would bless each and every individual, keep them safe, keep them healthy, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by what we shared. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.